Thanks to each of you for being here today. It's a, a great thing to be able to say good morning, New City, Idlewild, our official first day of worship together. So, yeah. And this, uh, this, truly is, this truly is the day, right? This truly is the day that the Lord has made. And I think it's safe to say for all of us, we really rejoice and we're glad in it. So uh, they say that picture, a picture speaks a thousand words. So um, my kids taught me how to do this today. Um, a panoramic view. I'm going to take a picture. They're not in here. They're back serving, so they'll be proud to see this. All right, it's, it's giving me instructions. It's telling me to move down and slow down. Everybody smile. Look like you love each other. Awesome. All right. Sweet. I'll post that so you guys can see it. So a, a, a picture speaks a thousand words. Have you heard that phrase before? So... I wonder what that picture that we just took, I wonder what that picture speaks. I wonder what you're thinking. Like, what are some of the words that are filling your heart and your mind today as you sit here and worship here at Idlewild? Um, I wrote down a few of my words. Um, love. Unity. Sacrifice. Adventure. Confusion. How is this all going to work? We don't know. We don't know. God knows. Here's the last word I wrote. Hope. Hope. I wonder what your words are. Here's, here's a few more words, 12 of them to be exact. A community of Christ followers bringing gospel renewal to our city and to our world. That's the simple purpose of New City Church. That's what we were rallying around. I was telling Principal Denise, and I'll have her come forward in just a few minutes, who uh, is the leader of this great school and has done an incredible job, an amazing leader. Uh, we were just visiting up front here, and I was telling her that underneath that basketball goal, for those of you watching online or on video, there's a basketball goal over here. Uh, underneath that basketball goal, five years ago, I stood with a group of leaders, R.J. Caswell, who's in here somewhere, in the back there, um, Jimmy Callum, uh, my predecessor, a um, couple other leaders, and it was the first project that two churches called Church at Charlotte and New Charlotte Church had done together. It's the first time we had done anything together. And I remember remarking in that circle underneath the basketball goal, isn't it neat to see how God's brought our churches together? And look at what God's done five years later. Our churches are now one church. And the very first campus that we're planting together as one church is right back here in this room. Yeah, amazing. It's amazing. So I wrote this down, and I think this is so true that you'll agree with this in your own life, in your own story. Only God's stories are the best stories. Only God's stories are the best stories. When you come to the end of your days, whenever that is, you're not going to tell stories about what you ate for lunch or or even uh, what, you, what you did in your career, you're going to tell six to eight stories where God came through in a way that no one else could have. Things that God did in your family, in your life, that, that nothing else could account for except for the movement of God in your life. And I truly believe today is an only God story. 
and so grateful to share it with each and every one of you. So here's the passage today. If you have a copy of the scriptures, I want to invite you to turn there. And if you need a copy of the scriptures, we always have a Bible here uh, in this room for you to take. There's Bibles in the back. You can take it and, and use it today and take it home with you. And you can also, all kinds of things you can do on these things. Um, you can also open up our app, and if you don't have it, you can find it at newcity.us. And under that is a place uh, that, that says sermon notes, and so you can open up and follow along and take notes and read the passage on your phone as well. So here's our passage today. I guess I should give it, huh? If you're going to turn there. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through chapter 6, verse 1. The word of God to each of you today. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And then Paul's Magna Carta, verse 21 For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you, do not receive the grace of God in vain. So a picture speaks a thousand words, but words speak thousands of pictures. And I wonder what picture you think of when you hear those words from the Apostle Paul. I hope you see in your mind's eye a picture of what God is making new. Did you notice that word in verse 17? It's really one of the cornerstone passages of our church. It's where the new and new city comes from. Uh, This isn't about a, a new church or something new that we're doing. It's about the new life that only Christ can bring. You've heard me say before, but it's worth saying again, there's only one thing in your life, dear friends, that will never get old, and that's the new life of Jesus. Someday your shirt, the clothes you're wearing, they'll get old. Somebody else will wear them. The car that you drove here today, some teenager is going to have that as their first car one year. It'll be an old beater. They're going to drive it one day. You think it's nice, but it's going to be somebody's first car one day. It'll get old. Everything in your life will, will get old. It will, including our bodies, right? Like it or not, they are. There's only one thing about you that'll never get old, and it's the new life that Jesus gives to you. That's what Paul's talking about here. He's writing a letter to the church at Corinth. Many of you know 2 Corinthians is actually the fourth letter that Paul has written to this church that he loves. He planted this church during his second missionary journey. He, he bleeds for this church. His heart longs for this church. And yet this church is full of all kinds of problems and confusions and disappointments. This church broke his heart. All kinds of things that happen in this church. Sometimes you hear people say, I just wish we could go back to the New Testament church and the way they used to do it in the, you know, the olden days in the first century. and the, We could just get back to that and everything would be okay. Read First and Second Corinthians. This church was messed up. And you want to know why the church was messed up? Because it was full of people just like us. Broken people who were messed up. 
broken people who, whose marriages and whose parenting and uh, whose professions don't always align and match up with, with what Jesus says they should be and what we're called to be. And yet through all that, through all that, God's made us new. So what Paul's talking about here is not you becoming a better person. Listen, friends, everyone watch this. Jesus didn't come to this earth to make you a better person. Now, those who are Christ followers, I think they become better people because as we follow the example of Jesus and, and try to live according to his standards and principles, we live a better life. I believe that. But Jesus didn't come to just make you a little better. Jesus came to make you new. So the new and new city is the new in 2 Corinthians 5.17. In Christ, everyone watch this, you're a new creation. You're not a better creation. You're not an improved creation. It's not six steps to a better you today. That's not Christianity. It's you were dead in your trespasses and you've been made alive in Christ. And that'll never get old. It's the only thing in your life that'll never get old. At the end of your days, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. But listen to the words of Paul in verse 18. He says, all of this, Take a look around today. All of this, what's happening today, is from God. Lest we think that, that we thought it up or standing over here by this basketball goal, we were coming up with an idea of bringing churches together, which we weren't, by the way. We had no idea what was coming. All of this is from God. You have no idea, listen to this, guys, you have no idea where you're going to be in five years, what God's going to do. You have no idea. We don't have any idea what God's going to do in five minutes much less five years. This is the day. This is the moment that God's made. And all of this is from God. Paul reminds the church at Corinth and this church right here at Idlewild of that. Who through Christ, Paul says, reconciled us to himself and gave us what? A ministry. So you may say, well, no, I'm not in ministry. That's what the pastor folks do. That's, they, they're in ministry. They're called, no, no, no. Every single one of us, Paul isn't just writing to church leaders, guys. He's writing to every single person in the church, and he says he gave you a ministry. God's called you into ministry. So you're not just going to work tomorrow, you're going to ministry tomorrow. God's giving you a calling in your life, and this is a part of it. All of this is from God, this ministry that he's given to us, and it's a ministry of what? Follow along with me. Verse 18, 2 Corinthians 5, a ministry of reconciliation, of bringing people back into right relationship with God and with one another. That is, in Christ, verse 19, God was reconciling the whole world to himself. God came for people. Why is the name city in our church? Because we like you know, cityscapes and buildings and sports teams. Does God love cities because he loves the Panthers or he loves how cities look? No. Why does God love cities? The, by the way, the Bible begins in a garden and it ends where? Revelation 22. In a city. Uh, Abraham left his homeland and he journeyed not knowing where God was calling him, but he was looking forward to a city that God was making that carried his own name, that he was the designer and the builder of. Why does God care about cities? Why are we going to a place, a real place called heaven that God describes as a city? Because people live in cities. And God loves people. The new and new city is for the gospel. And the city, the word city, is for people. And so let's just agree on this today and, and sort of foot stomp this and dig our heels in on this today that we can all agree on and build this campus on. 
that we want to be a church, and Idlewild specifically, let's be a campus that, that looks to Jesus and looks for people. In your own life, in the ministry that God's called you to, whether you feel like you've been called into ministry or not, you have. 2 Corinthians 5.18, he's given you a ministry of reconciliation. Look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. For some of you, this is the word today. Stop looking at your circumstances. Your circumstances will lie to you, for better or for worse. You'll look around and your bank account will be high, things will be going well, and you go, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Things are going well. Things can be falling apart, and you're right where God wants you to be. Your circumstances will fail you and lie to you. Jesus never will. Set your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. He's the author. He's the perfecter of your faith. Let's be a church that fixes our eyes on Jesus, that looks to Jesus, but looks for people. And where are people gathered today? In cities. I was just sharing with our group up front here that it used to be that the city, the town, was centered on the church. The steeple was the highest place in the city. And now the gathering place in cities, for better or for worse, the gathering place in cities are schools. Neighborhood schools. That's what people in cities care the most about. And if you doubt it, read the paper tomorrow. There'll be an article about schools. If the school board sneezes, people will, will say something about it. All right? Everyone cares about their local school. Now, we can say, well, it should be the church. The church should be the center. Listen, guys, we can argue about that all, all, you know, all day long, but the reality is schools are becoming the centerpiece of cities. And God in his graciousness and his goodness has allowed us to come and worship in a school, to be in this place. Five years ago, we were handing out sweatshirts. Fast forward five years, standing on the stage and proclaiming Jesus. An amazing thing, an amazing opportunity. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's look to Jesus and let's look for people create opportunities and worship experiences just like you're experiencing today for people to be able to come in and, and see Jesus for who he really is. And don't forget this, that there's a ministry of presence that's involved in this campus as well. Beyond any of the things that are gonna happen, and there's so many only God things that are gonna happen in your lives and the lives of so many people in this community who will one day come, God willing, into this church, into this community but, but, but don't ever forget the ministry of just being, being present, the ministry of presence. We talk about that in the Air Force chaplaincy all the time. For some people, as chaplains, we're their pastor. For others, we're just a rank. But just walking into a room with a cross sewn onto your uniform, there's a ministry of the holy. There's a, there's a presence of the holy that comes in. There's a ministry of presence. And don't forget that as you're here at Idlewild. You're bringing the presence of God into this place, into this community. And we're so grateful to follow God's leading here. Look at verse 20. Therefore, whenever you see therefore in the Bible, you should underline it. And you should ask yourself a really simple question. Do you know what it is? Yeah. What is it there for? What is it there for? What, what is this word there for? Paul's taking everything that he said Okay? And for us today, verses 17, all the way up to verse 20, and he's going to tell you why he said it. He's going to tell you what the point of all this is, and I'm going to finish here today with a message. Paul says, therefore, we, as Christ followers, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, let me ask you a question. 
Do ambassadors live in their home country or do they go where they're supposed to be to represent their home? They, they go. They embed. They live. There's a presence. They come into all the cities and communities that they're meant to represent. To, to step out of their security and their safe places and to walk into places that maybe they don't know. They haven't been before. To represent God. Therefore, we are ambassadors for whom? For Christ. And this, this, should, this should cause you to just sort of maybe lose your breath this morning, the next words here. 2 Corinthians 5.20, think about where God's calling you into. Not only this neighborhood in Idlewild, South Park, Matthews, neighborhoods all over the city that God's called us into. That God is making his appeal through us. God's making his appeal to the world through you. Through your actions, through your words, God is making his appeal his final, watch this, his, his final sort of I rest my case to the world is you. It's you. We have the stories of the scriptures. We talk about what Jesus has done and his death, burial, and resurrection for us. But ultimately, the final argument, the final case that God makes to a world that is lost and dying without Jesus is you. God is making his appeal to the world through you, through your words, through your deeds, through your presence so Paul says this we implore you on behalf of Christ and if you want to just know what the gospel is these four words here in verse verse 20 be reconciled to God that's the gospel in four words be reconciled to God how are we reconciled to God how are we made right with God I'm almost done guys watch this there's only one way it's through the person and the work of Christ This is what Paul is communicating, that you now are the carriers of Jesus to a world that desperately needs to see him and that needs to be looked for and noticed. People need to be seen. They need to be noticed. They need to be known that they're loved so that they can ultimately not just see us, but ultimately they'll see Jesus in and through us. And God's given each of us that call, that task to see people, to look for people, and then call them to look to Jesus the lover of their souls, the one who wants to reconcile them back to himself. That's the message of the gospel. Here's the gospel, pure and simple. For the, through the person and the work of Jesus Christ, God has fully reconciled and paid and accomplished all of our sins on the cross. And through his resurrection, he's proved that it's true. He's paid in full everything you've done, past, present, and future, paid in full. God's paid through his son, Jesus. And now he's giving us a ministry of reconciliation to the world. So here's how Paul ends. Chapter 6, verse 1. He says, therefore, do not take the grace of God in vain. What would it look like as we close here? What would it look like opening day, launch day here at Ottawa campus? What would it look like for us to take the grace of God in vain? It would look like I found Jesus, I've been reconciled to God through Christ. He who knew no sin became sin so that we, me, might become the the, the righteousness of God. I've got that, but I tell no one. I don't share it with anybody. If I've lost, you come back to me for this. Martin Luther used to say this. He said, Christianity at its core, what you just heard, the message of Christ, the gospel, is this. One beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. 
don't take the grace of God in vain. In other words, don't just find bread and not tell anyone else where you found it. Go out. Go into your workplaces. Go into your neighborhoods. Go to all the places that God's called you and us together and tell people about Jesus. Lift high Jesus. Lift him up. Because this is what the scripture says. When we lift high Jesus, he'll draw all people to himself. When we fix our eyes on him, then we look for other people who can do the same. May that be true of this campus and our entire church. May this campus, Idlewild Campus, lead our church into the city. May this campus lead the way in showing people Jesus, lifting up Jesus. May we as a church and this campus lead the way in saying, hey, we want to look to Jesus and we want to look for people. To him alone be the glory today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him to us. Thank you that Jesus moved into our neighborhood. He came to us when we were running the other direction and loved us and reconciled us back to you. Thank you, Father. Help us not to take that simple message of God's love through Christ for granted. Help us to generously share it with everyone we come in contact with. We thank you for this place, for this space, this sacred space, this holy ground that you've made holy because you're here. Your word says that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. You're here. And because you're here, this place is holy. And we're here to worship you. So may you be lifted high, Jesus, in this place. But not only in this place, may as we leave here and go into all the different neighborhoods and places and spaces in this city, may we carry the message of the new life of Christ wherever we go. We are your ambassadors. You're making your appeal through us. We dedicate this campus to you, and we dedicate all who will step foot in this campus to you, Jesus. May it be for your glory and for your sake through the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.